SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Thanks, Greg. It's five minutes after six o'clock. Hilton Tarrant and Google Letter and Foopy with you on this Friday evening on the Market Update. First up, as always, Google has your business news. Thanks, Hilton. Good evening. Well, Cyprus is scrambling to overhaul its banking sector to avoid a financial meltdown after the European Central Bank threatened to pull the plug on emergency funding for the island's lenders. Cypriot politicians have until next Monday to approve a Plan B bailout deal with the European Union and the International Monetary Fund or face being choked from the ECB funds, which would likely cause staggering banks to collapse. The Don Group, a hotel operator turned residential letting group, has reported a narrowed headline loss per share to just over two cents from five cents in the six months which ended in December 2012, helped by an increase in rental revenue. In 2011, the group converted all of its properties from hotels to rental apartments as a result of challenges facing the tourism sector and in view of growing opportunities identified in the broader property industry sector. An Mware alerted its subscribers that a failure in the CECOM cable had resulted in them experiencing slower international internet browsing, email and other online services. The announcement was made this morning, but by this afternoon, attempts had been made to restore service back to normal. Turning to the markets now, the JCO share index has closed uh, down by uh, six. 0.6%, trade uh, currently closed at 40,063 points. The rand's very weak at 9 rand 30 against the US dollar, 14.16 against the pound, and 12 rand 11 against the euro. Gold trading at $1,608 an ounce, a barrel of Brentwood oil at $108, and the platinum price at $1,575 an ounce. Seven minutes after six o'clock, this is the market update with Money Web. Wayne McCurry of Momentum Wealth is with us. Wayne, market down two thirds of 1%. Uh, industrial sold off yes. across the board. MTN down seven and a half percent, 162 rand fifty, down thirteen rand. Now it's gone ex-dividend. Yeah, but the, the dividend ex- is only five rand. Yeah, the ex-dividend did have a plane. I was actually confused early on because it went ex-dividend on the twentieth, and of course yesterday was holiday, so it shows that today. The reason for the rest of the fall, I just don't get. But there are some funny movements on the market today. It's a little bit of silly season. There's not many people around, even though the volume wasn't bad. But EPSA up, first band down, SAB up, NOSPAS down, uh, Richmond down. You know, they're all beneficiaries of the, of the week rand. The rand was quite weak today again. So, no, I think uh, let's, wait for, let's wait for Monday to see what's actually happening here. I must say the MTN. It's a massive move. It's a big move that. And I suppose if you were astute and you were sitting at your desk today, you'd probably be buying some mm. after this sort of price fall. Wayne, let's take a look at some companies that reach 52-week lows. Capitec, uh, not a surprise there, given yes. the concerns around unsecured lending. Ultron Group, they published a cautionary announcement today, today. And Sibanya yeah. Gold. Yeah, look, I don't know too much about Sibanya. It hasn't been listed all that long. But, of course, uh, I found the Adcocks, uh, not the, 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 the Ultron, quite interesting. Ultron, I'll take They're saying there's, there's a deal on. Mm. Now, these shares have been perennial underperformers. So maybe something is at last going to happen there. I mean, they have been... The chaps have lost so much money all over the place that, you know, maybe something is going to happen there. I don't think it's I don't think it's Brian Joffe bidding for them. Might they might they try and take out minorities in Altec? They did try that a while ago. It's possible, but I don't um, think where they're going to get the capital from. Anyway, Altec mm. is up six percent on mm. the back of that cautionary announcement. Capitec, we all know the story there, but now I suppose I'm worried about the uh, micro loan, so I wouldn't go and buy it. But you know, Capitec's at a price-earnings ratio at a valuation you can at least now look at. Mm. You can look at it and not get frightened. 
like it used to be, so it has come down quite a bit. Just on that Altec Ultron, uh, Wayne, Ultron already owns 56% of yeah. Altec. Um, they could try an all-share deal. It's, 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 it's possible, but what do you add value by that, by doing it? Mm. You know, I just don't get it. Why would you, why would you go for this if, if it's just, instead of owning, you're going to dilute the Altec in the Ultron, and yet, surprisingly enough, Ultron's probably got the better assets. Mm. So I, I don't, anyway, we'll see what happens. Wayne, taking a look at the interest rate announcement on Wednesday, that was as expected with the Reserve yes. Bank's uh, MPC committee keeping the interest rate at about 5%, so not a big surprise there. No, not a big surprise, but of course things have deteriorated in South Africa. Um, the growth rate, I mean, it's not a disaster, but the growth rate doesn't look particularly good. Uh, inflation outlook looks extremely poor, but that's the weak RAND story. And of course it's a whole, it's a whole RAND thing. Now, a lot of people, including the Reserve Bank, have forecast growth next year at 3.6 or 3.5% or 3.9%, wherever it is. Now, maybe I'm just stupid, but I don't know how on earth we're going to get to almost 4% growth. I just don't get it. What's going to be the driver? I don't know where that's going to come from. Wayne, what's your take on this uh, chaos happening in Cyprus? Uh, we're, right, we're, yeah. we're told about this Plan B that needs to be in uh, place yes. by next Monday, but Plan B was supposed to be in place by yesterday. Yes. Look, just to give perspective on this whole thing, the guys are looking for 10 billion euro as a bailout. This is not exactly big cheese. Eh? Okay, so, so by and large, this is a small thing that's happening here. So it's a proper, it's a proper sheep in wolf's clothing. Um, I mean, you consider in the U.S. it probably cost them trillions to bail out there, mm. and it probably cost them over a trillion euro to sort out the, all the pigs. So, so Cyprus is a small thing. However, the important thing about Cyprus is the precedent that might be set, mm. i.e., we can take depositors' money to help fund the banking system, which has never happened. It's never been so blunt before. It has happened before, but it's never been such quite such a blunt instrument. I mean. In the heyday of the emerging markets uh, in, what, 2007, remember there were a couple of South American countries there that said, if you want to bring your deposit to our country, we're going to charge you a tax on it. You're going to pay 2 3% up front when you bring your money here, or 3 or 4% if you pull the money out, whatever it was. So, but this is, this, is, this is like a blunt instrument. So it's more a statement than actual reality. I mean, Cyprus's economy is 0.2%. One-fifth of one percent of the Eurozone. Mm. You know, so it's not Cyprus, it's politics. In other words, is Germany still prepared to bail out the Euro area at any cost? So Cyprus itself is actually, quite frankly, irrelevant. Well, let's come back home and take a look at the Don Group. Now, they published their interim results today, showing, uh, well, a loss, but slightly yes. narrower than what it was before. But we are aware of the fact that they pay it, they rather sold off several of their assets last year and has essentially become a cash shell. I must say, I haven't followed Don forever. It is such a small company, and unfortunately, they, had a, they didn't have a good time as a listed company. They had a torrid time. I mean, no. It's not a company that, that, that I follow, in fact. But let's touch on it becoming a cash shell. What does it take for a company to get there, and what does it essentially mean when well, you Well, it just means that someone company? can come and buy your listing and take over the cash on your balance sheet. So it costs a lot of money to list. It costs a lot of money to set your company up. So if you've got 10 million rand in the, back in, in, in the bank and you own no other assets, someone just comes and buys your listing, pays you 10 million rand and maybe a little bit more for the shell company, changes the name and starts a new business. It's just so much quicker to get to market or to get to capital doing it that way than, than, than going the, the, 
the whole hog of doing it yourself, I suppose. Question in on our SMS line at 34701 with the keyword market. If you're wanting to take a calculated risk, would you be buying Lonman shares? Um, I'm, I'm extremely cautious about Lonman in particular. I mean, Lonman, it, it essentially went to the wall. Mm. It, it, it went bankrupt, and the shells had to bail it out, and, it had, and, the, and, and the recapitalization had to be priced at such a low level to get to force the people in. I mean, you were crazy not to take up your rights because it was just at such a massive discount to the ruling price. So, if things just turn a little bit more nasty in the platinum sector, which, of course, anything can happen, Lonman's at the wall again. So, it's a massive, massive risk that you're taking. But, of course, if the platinum price goes up $300 and the, and, and the rand weakens, Lonra might be the best performing share, but you're taking... It's almost, you know, it's almost a binary outcome. You're either going to go bankrupt or make a fortune, and I, I don't know whether that makes for that makes for good investing. Very interesting to look at the uh, top performers or, or the best and worst performer on the top 40 uh, in the year to date. We're almost at the end of the first quarter. Do you have any guesses as to what the, no, the best always, and worst are? I always lose these sort of competitions. We were talking about platinum uh, just a minute ago. Impala Platinum Implats down 19%. Mm. So far in the three months, Mondi PLC, the, the best yeah, performer, 34% well. higher uh, since January. They're in, they're in a very good business segment there. They're making corrugated packaging, which seems to be of demand for it. So they've always, you know, everyone in South Africa, they've associated Mondi with Sapi and just stayed clear of it. But it's been a very, very good company. It really has performed well. But, of course, you know, the question is, this thing's rated almost like a retailer. You know, it's almost a 20 PE, so it's almost like, like uh, not quite, but it's almost a retail share. I don't think that represents much value now. But it's got there for all the right reasons. It's got there because the price has gone up, not because the earnings have fallen. In this month's business feature 2013, we speak to Vili Furi, who's the head of clothing and textile strategic business unit at the Industrial Development Corporation. We take a look at the current state of the sector and what the IDC is doing to stimulate growth within it. For more details or to listen to the full discussion, log on to moneyweb.co.za. SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. 16 minutes after 6 o'clock, well, Bidvest with interests in everything from food services to motor retail, from freight to electrical and office goods, has launched an unsolicited bid for 60% of pharmaceutical company Adcock Ingram, perhaps most well-known for Panado. Bidvest's letter to the, to the Adcock board was sent at 7 p.m. last night on a public holiday. Chief Executive of Adcock, Jonathan Lowe, is out of the country at present, and the board has not reviewed the letter. Bidvest's top three are reportedly on leave today. That tells you all you need to know about that story. But Vest is busy with the final stages of acquiring amalgamated appliances or AMAP for 500 odd million rand. The last major deal it's done in South Africa was the purchase of McCarthy, the motor vehicle retail group, in 2004 for just under 1 billion rand. When Bidvest released interim results earlier this month, it said it wanted to bulk up its industrial division here in South Africa. Currently, that division's turnover is around 1.5 billion rand a year. With AMAP, that number will double. And with 60% of ADCOC, presuming this uh, transaction does go through, 
That number will get close to 6 billion rand a year, putting it uh, in sizable company with uh, some of its other divisions, such as freight and motor retail. In August, Bidvest Chief Executive Brian Joffe said that uh, the company had looked at lots of deals in the preceding six months. Just over a fortnight ago, I asked him whether he had kept up with the pace of trying to identify opportunities both here and abroad. Yeah, I, th- I think the deal flow of in the last month or two has stepped up a lot. I think there's much more corporate ac- activity that's going on currently. I think probably as evidenced by others as well. Um, yeah, we, look, we are keen to to make acquisitions as we go, but also very careful to be sure that what we what we buy it doesn't become uh, more of a hindrance than an advantage. So we're quite we're quite conservative and um, you know we, and quite fussy. Uh, as to what we get and what we pay. That was uh, Bidvest Chief Executive Brian Joffe on the market update just over two weeks ago. Earlier this afternoon, I spoke with Alec Abraham, healthcare and retail analyst at Vunani Securities. I asked him what this half-cash, half-Bidvest share offer values at Cock Ingram at. This places the value at, uh, at the current, um, at the current uh, level of for Bidvest at 235 rand 74 places a value of 61 rand and 97 cents on uh, Adcock Ingram. In terms of uh, the fairness of the evaluation, is, is that a fair price for, for Adcock? Yeah, in my estimation, I believe that um, Adcock is fairly valued at around about 63 rand. So 62 rand is pretty much at fair value. In terms of the, the performance, though, of Adcock, it's had a torrid time. In the past 12 months, its rival Aspen up 70%. Adcock's gone backwards, uh, down 5% if you exclude today's move. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, they've had a torrid time for a couple of years now, in fact. Um, I think that the management team of Adcock have been trying to rebuild the business after being spun off from Tiger Brands. Um, there was a lot to be done in the business. And unfortunately, um, the competitive advantages that, Ty- that Adcock uh, held prior to being taken out by Tiger Brands um, don't really apply to the business anymore. The market has changed. It's moved to the generics, and the generic market is growing very, very quickly where Adcock is not really well represented. Um, it's still well represented on the OTC side, which um, is very, very competitive, and has been getting more and more pressure on pricing from the retailers. And it's on the patented drug side, which is not growing very fast either. So it's, it's not in particularly strong growing market, and it's in very competitive markets. It's also almost wholly dependent on South Africa, 94% of revenue in 2012 from, from South or Southern Africa. And that picture doesn't look too much different from 2011, so, so not much growth from, from elsewhere on the continent. That's, that's correct, yes. Um, they have focused a lot of their growth on the African continent, but they've also started getting involved in uh, India. They've been there for a couple of years now with the manufacturing presence there, and recently they've announced the acquisition of a pharmaceutical company, with their hope being that they'll be able to um, export a lot of their strong OTC brands they have in South Africa into the Indian market. Alec, without trying to speculate as to what the attraction is for Bidvest, what makes Adcock Ingram, especially at this price, an attractive asset? Um, to be quite frank, not much. Um, as I said, it's, uh, it's, it's had a historic strength in the OTC space, um, uh, but that is very, very competitive right, right now, um, and uh, it's not in all of the growth markets. 
So uh, I would imagine that maybe on the logistics side, they've been rebuilding their logistics and distribution capabilities after being spun out of uh, Tiger Brands. Um, I would imagine that Bidvest believes they can do more with the, with the assets. In terms of the listed pharmaceutical landscape, you've got Lita Healthcare delisting, Cipla uh, MedPro obviously under bid from Cipla India. This bid for 60% of Adcock from Bidvest, I guess it's only a matter of time before Aspen Pharmacare also ends up being snapped up. I'm not certain if they'll be snapped up. I think, uh, if anything, uh, probably step up to one of the uh, forerunners on a global scale on the uh, on the generic side. Um, as far as I'm concerned, Aspen have been working very hard at building up their market quite systematically. They've consolidated their uh, production base in South Africa and have established export markets in a number of the growth emerging growth markets uh, in South America, um, in um, in Asia Pacific, with uh, links into Southeast Asia, um, and uh, and in Africa. So, you know, well, what they've done is over a number of years, because because most emerging markets don't have enough uh, market size to be able to generate economies of scale, mm-hmm. they've simply consolidated all of their production in South Africa and, and are now exporting into into markets. And they've done a very good job of establishing export markets for their product. That's Alec Abraham, the uh, healthcare and retail analyst at Bunani Securities. Wayne, your thoughts on, on this bid? Rather opportunistic, given the timing. Yeah, look, it is a little bit like that. Uh, there's, there's a couple of things to talk about the bid. I think Bidvest can add a lot of value to Adcox. It gives you big distribution. Eh? Mm. It gives you just volume and scale. So I think they can add a lot to it. The second thing is the, the board of Adcox are sure to reject the first offer. That's normal negotiations. You, know, you don't accept the first bid. You, you try and get a little bit more out of it. So that will also happen. Thirdly, uh, Bidvest has been quite clever here. They're saying the price only applies if you hit two rand earnings. If, you earnings, if your earnings fall short of the two rand level, we're going to pay you less. So you, you, you're covering the downside to a certain extent, and you're also not encouraging Adcox to show a disastrous set of results or an exceptionally good set of results, depending on which way the bid goes or what's, you know, you actually discourage that a little bit. But ultimately, I think at the end of the day, the Adcox shareholders are going to take this bid. Despite what the board or the board's committee says, I think the shareholders will vote with, with, with Bidvest rather than what they've experienced. When did they do this? 2008? Mm. can't remember what they've experienced. It hasn't been a disaster, but it has not been a good investment. So I think the, the ultimately the shareholders will accept the deal. They might have to, you know, Brian Joffe might have to put it up a rand or two or whatever, but I think they'll take the deal. Just looking at some of those major shareholders, the PIC, the Public Investment Corporation, owned 14% of Adcock Ingram. The participants in the Adcock 2010 BEE deal, just over 13% in total. And then fund managers, Omexo, Prudential, Stanlib, Alan Gray, Investec, Momentum, each own somewhere between 4 and 6%. It gives you about 30%. You've got the other 30%. So you've got a big 60% chunk. Um, just a you know a handful, a handful or two. Yeah. So as I said, I think the shareholders will will actually vote for this. They'll I think they'll approve it because where's what's Adcock going to do by themselves? Where's their competitive advantage? You know the margins are under severe pressure in the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, Bidvest is exceptionally good at handling brand names, and they're very good at distribution. They obviously haven't manufactured pharmaceuticals before, but I don't think the margins in the manufacturing are because it's under such intense pressure from the generics. So I think it will be good. SAFM Market Update with MoneyWing. 
Well, at a recent Board of Healthcare Funders conference, an estimate was given that total fraud costs in the South African healthcare system uh, amount to 22 billion rand annually. Dr. Jonathan Broomberg, the Chief Executive of Discovery Health, joins us now. Jonathan, your view that uh, 22 billion figure alarmingly high and, and way too high to be realistic? Yeah, Stu Hilton, thanks for the opportunity. Yes, you know, I think 22 billion represents over 20% of all uh, money flowing through the private uh, healthcare system, and that just simply is too high to be credible. I just, you know, don't see the basis for that. Our own estimates are probably more in the region of 3 billion, perhaps a little higher or a little lower. Um, it's very hard to be definitive about this, but even at that lower level, uh, it's a very serious problem that needs urgent attention. Just in terms of the international average, how does that relate? Is the problem in South Africa perhaps worse off than internationally, or, or do you think we're, we're in line with, with some of the numbers you're seeing from overseas? I think we're in line. I, uh, we may be even slightly better. I don't think we're worse. I don't think there's any evidence to suggest that the problem is worse in, in our environment. In terms of the fraud that uh, you are picking up and, and tracking within, within the healthcare sector, where is that fraud taking place? Hilton, um, it's right across the spectrum. I think one of the uh, inaccurate elements of the recent media coverage is that it created the wrong impression, in our view, that most fraud is being perpetrated by health professionals. And I think it unfairly tarred the majority of health professionals with that brush. You know, most doctors and other health professionals, the vast majority, are honest, hardworking, ethical, and deliver good quality. It's a small minority, and there are some health professionals who do commit fraud against medical schemes, but we also equally see some members doing that. We see criminal syndicates doing that. We see other service providers like pharmacies doing it. So you can find it literally anywhere you look in the healthcare chain, but it is always a small marginal minority. It's not, you know, the vast majority of, of actors in the system are, are honest and straight. In terms of actually identifying fraudulent activity and, and tracking that, I'm guessing given the size and scale of Discovery Health, you have the volumes of, of transactions and the amount of data to, to make this slightly easier. Yeah, you know, I mean, we invest very heavily in this. So we have, uh, you know, 30 strong team of uh, fraud and forensics investigators who work full-time, uh, you know, investigating these frauds. We do get large numbers of tip-offs from our own staff uh, and from our members and from the general public. But more and more, we're relying on very sophisticated um, infra uh, you know, technology solutions, software algorithms that crawl through the data uh, all the time, looking for suspicious patterns, you know, looking for trends. And as soon as we find those, we then we get them investigated and we go after them. So last year... Um, you know, we recovered 250 million rand for the medical schemes that uh, we are responsible for. Uh, I still don't think that's the bottom of the well. I think there's still a long way to go there. Um, but, uh, you know, the, uh, once one finds a particular problem, we can take harsh action. We recover the money, which is important. We report the perpetrators to the South African police. If it's a health professional, we report them to the Health Professions Council. So uh, there is a sort of no-tolerance approach that we take. At the end of the day, though, uh, fraud meaning uh, or translating into uh, perhaps uh, increased costs, given, given the lost opportunity, given this money that's, that's flowing through the system fraudulently? Oh, definitely. 
So, and I think, you know, if you wanted to take, go back to my number of 3 billion, that is, say, you know, 3% odd of total premiums in the medical scheme system. That's material. Because if every year 3% is being lost, you know, over time that could seriously change uh, the rate of inflation in the healthcare system. So we, we, we treat this as a serious problem. Um, and, you know, I think it does need much more focused attention from all parties. In terms of what you're uncovering and, and, and what you're recovering, are things getting better as far as fraud is concerned? Um, you know, I think that at this point where we are in the cycle is as we throw more resources, we are recovering more and more. Last year we virtually doubled the recovery. And, that was, and so what I can't say to you is how much of the double was attributable to the fact that we had significantly more resources deployed or that the underlying rate of fraud is increasing. It may be some element of both. But I, I, I don't think I think it's too early to say that we've got to the the peak and that it's now getting better. I think we're still getting to the bottom of, uh, of, of the situation. Dr. Jonathan Broomberg is Chief Executive of Discovery Health. Well, this has been the SAFM Market Update with Manny Webb from myself, Hilton Tarrant. And myself, Kukuletum Fupi. Have yourselves a great weekend. We're back at 6 p.m. on Monday at 6.30 now. Time for Game Plan.